Geek Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. 30 years ago, one of the biggest superheroes died. And it wasn't because, you know, of old age or a broken heart. It was because money. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Batula Neal. And this week we are looking at the death of Superman. Yes, the death of Superman. One of the big touch points of the speculator boom of the early 90s. It, of course, you know, has positives in the sense that it brought a lot of people to comics. There's a number of people that their first comic they ever read was the death of Superman. But the bad side is that it kicked off a precedent that would go on for another few years of event books are what sells. So let's come up with something crazy to happen to our heroes instead of writing a good story. And so we're going to actually look at the death of Superman and try to figure out, was it a good story or does it feel like the cash grab that it was all these decades later? So Petula, did you read death of Superman back in the day? Or is this actually your first time reading the death of Superman? It was my first time reading it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. There's a lot of people that got into comics and avoided the death of Superman because of the connotations of cash grab. But yeah, so uh, coming to it with fresh eyes, what are your initial thoughts on the death of Superman? Coming into something like this, definitely knowing the ultimate resolution, the the lack of real stakes, the sort of the other thing that this brought into that already existed in comics, but definitely with taking a swing at a character this big, but then ultimately doing the old reversey, the kind of live, die, repeat energy. Mm. I actually came into it, I'd say, probably more inclined to give it a chance to try to see like what made this a classic. And some of the stuff I think that I like the most was, you know, one of our frequent categories for year roundup. It's basically just a very long slugfest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. if you take the whole Michigas of the death of Superman out of it and just think of this as kind of if doomsday is Hulk and make this like a planet Hulk type battle Royale. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I can see that the journey of the unstoppable punch monster. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of what it is. Cause it's really, it's yeah. about, it's about doomsday's journey across the U S. Yeah. And she's trying to get to Metropolis and he's going to punch whatever is in his way. It's very much like little kids playing with their action figures. It's like, I know the powers of this person. You know, the powers of that person fight. And you just like this person up against punch monster, this person up yeah. and punch monsters just smashing everyone to pancake bits and the weakness that all heroes have is there's always a point in any fight where you could more easily defeat the antagonists if you didn't care about saving other people or things mm. so in this one especially it's like I'd say Soup's had many chances. There were so many times that I just thought, you know, if he had Batman in his ear right now, instead of just his own, you know, Kansas conscience, 
Like there would be, but I mean, that's not the yeah. story they well, were not going only, for. Not only Kansas yeah. conscious, but interaction with the Justice League B team for some yeah. reason. The Justice League at that time was very much a non-factor. Like you had Guy Gardner without the Green Lantern ring. Yeah. You had Bloodwing. And a terrible haircut. Yeah. Yes. Yo, he, the terrible Oof. haircut was, that was around for a decade and a half. Yeah. But yeah, so him, you have Bloodwind, which is Martian Manhunter playing, uh, dress up. And for some reason cares more about hiding the fact that he's Martian Manhunter from everybody than actually stopping this monster. Uh, you got Fire and Ice, which, you know, we're always mid-level heroes. Mm -hmm. They didn't have amu amazing powers. Yeah, booster. Stopped to get fresh outfits, so they yeah. were late to help at the end. Oh no, we didn't make it here time. It's like, this looks like you put on new clothes. Yeah, yeah. And unlike Blue Beetle, who needs clothes to protect themselves, you don't. So, yeah. and then again, trash. you got Booster and Blue Beetle, another yeah. forever mid level guys. Not, yeah. can't really take on this huge thing. And then there was one other. Um, member of the team. I can't remember her name though, because she was really only like big in the nineties. She actually had a lot of power, but she also didn't have the wherewithal to understand that, Hey, we should protect innocent bystanders as well. So she became kind of like a separate factor in the fight. So it was almost like Superman was even more handicapped with the inclusion of the justice league. But Dan Jurgens at the time was writing Superman and justice league. So of course they'd be incorporated into the story. Superman at that time was set up because there was four different Superman series. That the idea is that there would be a Superman title out every week of the month. And so because of that, even though they were all telling different stories, they were told to always kind of segue into the other books. So technically someone would have to pick up all four books a month. And of course that led into this whole Superman event thing. Now, the thing that's funny is that the whole reason why it came about is because they originally wanted to do the big story of Lois and Clark getting married. And so late 91, they had a big meeting that they were going to do this. Everything was great. And at the same time, they were launching the Lois and Clark TV show. And so they told the idea to the team that was making that show and said, this is amazing. But because we're part of Warner Brothers Television, we kind of have bigger clout than you. We want to do it first. So months and months of ideas. Just can't use those right now because that was all building up to the big wedding, which they would eventually do years down the line. But they were like, oh, what are we going to do now? And apparently every time they had a summit of the writers for Superman, Jerry Ori Wade would just say, let's just kill the bastard. And every time the other writers would go, yeah, that's great, Jerry pat him on the head and move on with ideas. But this yeah, time, take a, take a shot every time. Yeah, says, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This time, because they yeah. were so angry that they had to scrap all their ideas. They all went, yeah, let's do it. And so they all started brainstorming on what they were going to do. And of course the team that this was with Dan Jurgens, Roger Stern, Luis Simonson, Jerry Ordway, all well-established writers at the time, some of the biggest writers in comics at the time. And apparently Dan Jurgens came in one day and said, well, the way it should happen should just be 22 pages of the fight beating this gigantic hulking thing and just punch, punch, punch. And he's like, Superman can't take it, but he's got to protect the people. Punch, punch, punch. And again, the rest of the team went, we need a, we need to add more story to it. But yeah. Then, yeah. But then eventually as time went on, they went, you know what? Maybe this whole big slugfest thing will work. 
Yeah, this is a real case of kind of low-key passive-aggressive trying to push back against bad management or stifling management decisions and thinking that you're doing the worst but then accidentally making the boss a ton of money. <laughs> Which I wonder, I would love to have been a fly on the wall at some of those, you know, meetings after the fact when, you know, the overlords are collecting like the piles, Scrooge McDuck piles of gold. And they would have just been there around the table, sort of like, huh, that didn't <laughs> come. <laughs> like we wrote a mid story with uh, a mid villain that had like, almost negative character development but somehow like talk about spitting gold out of straw this is a real yeah 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 but because also that they had to do it they had to like the beginning of the story there's a lot of weird things that are kind of getting wrapped up that is like huh like louise simonson is telling a very silver agey type story of this group of monsters that lives beneath metropolis and it's sort of like we got to quickly get this done. Quick. Finish. Done. And it's sort of like. Yeah. Little black kid. That's like. Yeah. Uh, my, I think that's where my mom is. <laughs> and and then painting the Superman sign with spray paint that the shopkeep sells him knowing darn well he's going to do graffiti with it. He's like, are you going? No, of course not. Yeah. Like, are they trying to make story or are they just doing things? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, it's it's kind of weird, and I feel like Louise knew that she didn't really wrap up that story good enough, so she brings them back shortly for like a minute in one of the later issues, just so that Doomsday can punch them as well. And it's sort of like, huh. Meanwhile, you got Dan Jurgens going, well, I got to work the Justice League in here somewhere because I'm also writing Justice League. So he really like it to me. It feels like torture porn because it's kind of like. Let's just have the Justice League get their asses kicked over and over again while Superman sits and has a nice little interview with Cat Grant. It's a snuff film. Yeah. 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 And and even later on when we've got your pal Jimmy and Lolo in the chopper, even Jimmy seems like a scotch too unbothered. Like mm. Lo gets the this is not going well for our guy. Yeah. But Jimmy's sort of like, let's get the good shots. And maybe it's just blind faith that no matter what soups will, you know, come through Recover, in the yeah. end. And that's where I'm like, is this book smarter than I think it is? Is this some sort of commentary on how, you know, at this point and uh, arguably even earlier in society, the way we watch violence through a lens or a screen is different than the way it should be sort of understood and experienced. Am I giving this book too much credit or is it actually somehow making a better statement? Because you do get a lot of cuts to people watching what's happening on the news or whatever, including Clark's parents. So that part is where, you know, occasionally you get a moment of respite from the punchy, punchy punch. Mm. And you're like, even though you know what it's called, like the book is literally called Death of Superman. Like, I've never been less concerned about spoiling anything. You still think, well, you know, but it's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> even though you know, you still are like, yeah, he'll be okay. Like, he, he's, he's taking some rough ones. And you don't 
this isn't permanent end state, but it is seeing him lose because they can't just have him lose all of a sudden. They have to show from the beginning that this yeah. is not going to go well. Yeah. That is the part where it's like, again, the people who came up with this idea and did it, it kind of reminds me of what the kids call now quiet quitting, <laughs> but it was real loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Like the whole Jerry Ordway, let's just kill him thing. This was coming from a very cynical place. And it was because, again, they were annoyed that they had to come up with a whole brand new year's worth of stories. So basically 48 issues of stories to come out over the year. And, you know, they were like, oh, my God, what are we going to come up with sort of thing? Now, I feel like also the cynicism was, as you mentioned, like there, you, like, you felt like there was a little bit of commentary. I think some of that is true. I think they were smart enough on that because they were kind of annoyed that the year before that at San Diego Comic-Con, when they went there, when they started playing this Death of Superman thing, Image Comics was all the rage. And to DC, they looked at it going, oh, all of your violent, angry superheroes are now the biggest thing on the planet. And you guys are, you know, unironically just promoting death. That's the way they saw it. So... This was their way of going, well, we're going to, we're going to take the market again by doing what you do. But we're going to do it with a much more well known around the world character. And sure enough, when they went to San Diego Comic Con that year, the death of Superman panels were huge leading up to the release of the actual death issue. They got death threats in letters and stuff. So they knew that they were onto something big, that this was affecting people. And sure enough, when that final issue came out, they released two different versions. There was the newsstand version, which, of course, had the famous flag, like the cape of Superman hanging off of a sheet, all cut and torn in the middle of a destroyed metropolis. But then for the comic shop direct market version, it came in a vacuum-sealed black bag with the Superman symbol on it. And inside, there was an armband that one would wear at a funeral. And the cover was a fucking tombstone. Here lies Superman. And people lined up by the thousands to get this book. Like comic shops were shocked. They kept upping their order thinking, is this really going to sell the way it is? And sure enough, on that day, people were lining up out the door at all the major comic shops across North America. And they kind of, I remember, I think it was... I think it was Roger Stern who said he did a signing and so many people showed up for it and you know with the death of Superman issue and everything like that showing up with multiple copies and he said he goes yeah after the after the signing I had to be taken out of the mall by security through the back way so that nobody would approach me so that I could easily get to my car so I wouldn't be chased he goes I never wanted that rock star life so this scared the shit out of me <laughs> and sure enough so yeah so DC got exactly what they wanted out of this when they said the yeah let's let's do it. as you mentioned before the guy at the top going yeah look at all my money yeah and it forever changed the lives of the creators on this book it's kind of it's kind of crazy when you look at it careful what you wish for man yeah like to this day there's people that cite it as the the event that got them into comics because they heard it's like oh well the superman's dying i know superman from cartoons and stuff i should go see what happens sort of thing and I, as I mentioned, it's one of the touch points of the speculator boom. Like, I think you can add in 
Like there's definite moments in the, during that time that look back and are like amazing moments for comics at that time, but also cause irreparable damage as time goes on. Like the, uh, the multiple covers of X-Men number one by Jim Lee and how it became like the collect them, trade them sort of thing. They ended up selling, I think it was like a million copies or something like that. Three million copies, big amount. Then the forming of image, death of Superman, Batman's back being broken, clone saga you know like these moments were kind of done more for the reaction they would get from consumers than actually having like a good follow-through story because it's like i like we're not going to get into it but the death of superman leads to a convoluted mess for the next two years of like a bunch of different people saying they're superman and then the return of superman and it is just like to look back at it it's like whew if this was a wrestling match, it would be overbooked. This whole era, it's kind of, it feels like behind the scenes, there's a bunch of trading places era, terrible bets being made. And <laughs> that's what it feels like. Cause whether or not you're a comic book fan, there, there, there were certain rules up to a certain point of yeah. what you do and what you don't do. Obviously, there's always exceptions, but it definitely feels like commerce came in at a certain point. And that was like, instead of it breaking the rule, it just became another, like a new rule. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, crossovers, which you and I have talked at length about with almost the same level of derision with which I address anything that Professor X does. There it is, folks. Take a drink. Um, but this one while it's still it feels so strange like such a discordant note it still is doing one of the things that you do expect from a superman book is everything else in the story it's a bit of a mess it's a bit all over the place but the art of it he is literally bursting out of every panel and is just giving icon energy like the cape almost seems redder. His shoulders seems bigger. His thighs seem thicker because they know what they're going to do to him. So it feels like almost regret on the part of the artist. They're like, I'm going to give every panel that he's in. I'm going to give him like 75% of the space, if not more. He's mm -hmm. just like, he's always been kind of juicy and thick and swole, but like while the physicality of Clark is, you know, uh, he's trying to make himself less noticeable, whatever, kind of meek and fumbling. And Superman's kind of, you know, earnest, stoic, you know, floating down from the skies to save you. This Superman, because he's mostly Superman for this book, you only get a little bit of Clark. It's giving so much chin, so much hair, so much cape, so much thigh. It's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, well, the other thing that was kind of interesting that I thought was kind of cool is the art choice they made midway through the book, starting with Adventures of Superman 497 and then going to the end with the, the Superman issue, is that in 497, it's four panels per page, every page. And then when you go to the next book, it's three panels per page. And then you go to the next book, it's two panels per page. And so when you finally get to the Superman issue where the big death happens with Superman and Doomsday, both doing the double knockout and falling to the ground, just splash pages, every page, which was kind of like, wow. So it was kind of like, much like the intro to Doomsday that was run 
before the story started at the end of every issue, a fist punching, trying to get out of this wall and finally breaking through. This was kind of like going, okay, we're here. Now we're close up. Now we're close up. Now we're in your face. It's like, there's no way you can look away from this. This is the most horrific car accident you will ever see. And like that kind of art right there, like adding to the fact that they made Superman the most Superman he's ever been is sort of like, they were really trying to do the, this means something you can't look away from this without saying that, which was an interesting artistic take. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Whoever drew this, I don't know if they had the same kind of, or if they were all in on the, maybe behind the scenes passive aggressive motivations of <laughs> let's just kill him. Well no, Dan Jurgens yeah. was one of the writers and artists yeah. and he's the one that did the the final issue where it's twenty two pages of just beat down. Yeah. And so I and feel maybe like, it's there's like a bit I of feel it. I feel the regret though. I feel the <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give soup all the space I can. This it, even the way for like half of it, Doomsday is just covered up. Like you you build this, you know, striated, like protruding bone punch monster, but then you just throw them in a green work suit with one arm <laughs> tied behind his back for the yeah. first half of the story. He's only got yeah. one arm for most of it until that breaks free. Yeah. Yeah. So even that, it's like they are just a mechanism and there you do get a bit of sort of the all that they put in he's really doing too much his body and even like the stuff over the eyes it's in terms of look away they put so much detail into something that's just almost too grisly to look at yeah it, it's very like where was coco chanel tell them to tell them to take off the last thing they put on it's just <laughs> like i love the punchy claw hands but some of the face stuff and like yeah well again it was the 90s big pecs big tits big guns era yeah. Image again had come out the year before and kind of established that everything's got to look crazy and big and and fuck you. And so this was kind of DC going along with the motions, you know. So Dan Jurgens, Butch Geist, Dennis Janke, Tom Grummet, and John Bogdanov, the they they kind of just went with the flow. They kind of went with the well, this is the the style of the times. So it is just like your big nineties in your face kind of story. It really is. We've talked on other episodes how I theorize that the 90s is just people coming off all the drugs from the decade before. <laughs> this, does, this does feel like a real rough come down. It's not fun. And I think not all comics need to be fun, but this one especially, you can have funny moments in dark stories mm. or, you know, even characters that are accidentally the butt of the joke kind of funny which is like i'm looking at you booster gold you're not even giving me any of that here it's a bit of a a slog story-wise and i use that term super generously but the love that was put into the portrayal of superman and his form in the art it it's very it's it's almost off-putting the juxtaposition of it yeah we didn't even bring up lex luther jr now do you know the story about him no, please tell me. So Lex Luthor Jr. is actually Lex Luthor in a clone body. And he just showed up as Lex Luthor Jr. to hide the fact that he was actually still Lex Luthor. And as Lex Luthor Jr., you know, young, hot Lex, he seduced uh, Supergirl. Oh, and so that's, that's why she's oh, hanging with okay. him. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. And that's why she's hanging with him the entire time. 
Well, that explains a lot about Lex and his relationship with Superman. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. So, yeah. So, again, the 90s was a weird time. As Petula said, you know, she believes it was the come down uh, of all the drugs. Um, I just think it was comics got lucky with certain things during that time. And instead of just going, oh, this is kind of interesting that that took off. That's weird. They then put all their money on the more fucked up and cynical we can go, the more people are going to eat this shit up. And I guess that was kind of the early 90s at the time. If you remember, that's when serial killer trading cards came out. And like a lot of different things were kind of more in your face during that time. It was almost like the the silhouette for the the action hero at that time, where it's like, let's strip away the story and just look at the physical, visceral components of the action hero and shove it in your face. Yeah. You do get at least a lot of internal monologue, which you don't always get a lot of that from mm. Clark. So his constant worry about people and, you know, especially as they keep approaching Metropolis and what his motivations are. And you do get, you know, your great one last kiss moment with Lolo. So those moments, I feel like, are Superman. Mm. Kind of pure Superman, distilled Superman. All of the rest of it, it's a real bummer. Real bummer. Yeah. Real bummer. But again, those thighs. Those thighs, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a real juicy soups. If you are a fan of people who like Henry Cavill reloading his arms may also like the way Superman is drawn in this whole series. There you go. Yeah. God. But yeah, I, some really talented comic creators kind of just indulging in their more cynical fantasies. That's basically what it is. Because again, Roger Stern, Louise Simonson, Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, we've covered other stories they've done on the show. And they're, you know, they're all very good at telling hopeful stories, stories that inspire. This is not that. Still 30 years later, this is not that. This is very much, even though you know everything turns out okay a couple of years later for Superman, it's really dark shit. And just uh, as you mentioned, it's not fun. It's not a fun story to read. Yeah, it's literally only fun to look at. The side characters and the background characters, including the uh, Major Mayhem's look, it's mm. just, oh, okay, so I guess we're going to a leather bar now. Like, all of that, the visuals and like the occasional background stuff, you know, just seeing the trashed, like Lexmart parking lot, everything else. That is the only funny or enjoyable stuff is the visuals. Right. right. All of the story. It's a real bummer. So looking back on it, Death of Superman, still exactly what we thought it was. Style over substance, cash grab. Oh well. It was 30 years ago. We can just let it go. But happy anniversary, Death of Superman. <laughs> <laughs> this brings us to the end of another episode of Back to Bloodbath. Petula, where can people find you? At inactive.com, on Twitter, and Hive at obesacantao at O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-A-T, and here with you. And, of course, you can find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekcard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath. 
We post a new episode every week, but the best way to make sure that you hear every episode we do is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And, uh, you know, leave a nice little comment. Give us a nice little rating. And then go to all the nice little people you know and say, hey, do you want to hear people talk about comics and occasionally make sexy references or build their cases for why Professor Xavier should just just go away? Uh, You can find it all here, Back Issue Bloodbath. This is Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petonio. Have yourself a good...